you know, we, we're incapable of producing fruit just as much as, you know, a, a, a severed branch is not going to produce fruit. And that, that's something, that's something that I've, you know, my depressive guilt is, you know, that's kind of all intertwined in me. And, you know, I've, I, I feel guilty a lot and I feel like, am I doing enough? I, I, I get down on myself a lot, feeling like I'm not doing enough. And I think God's corrected me on that a lot. And there's, there's a book I really like, um, for, I'm blanking on the title. He says, he says though, that, uh, the first step in accomplishing a lot in your life for God is realizing that you don't have to accomplish anything. Our significance, our value is completely dependent on what he already did for us. Um, and so that just, that just takes the pressure off is like this, the starting point is as good as it could possibly could possibly be. It can't get any better. He always he already views us as in Christ. He he, he already can't be any happier with us. Wow. And so wow. then then what what we do is out of a sense of of freedom um, and of like oh man like God's I can't I can't believe how much God's blessed me. I just want to give that other give that out to other people. Welcome, friends. You are listening to Blue Collar Money, Theories of Middle Class Investing with your hosts, P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. Hey folks, welcome back to Blue Collar Money, Theories of Middle Class Investing. My name is Mike Hatch and I'm here with P.W. Gopal. And uh, we are here and really the purpose of this podcast is to help everyday folks get financially unstuck. And we say this often, but in a blue collar way where we, we're, we're hoping that people will, will get their hands dirty and accept responsibility for themselves. We at PW and I, of course, are are practitioners and um, and are attempting this ourselves as well. And in the process, this podcast is uh, is really uh, an, a manifestation of us trying to learn out loud. And um, and so, welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you if you've given us a a five star review and or and or shared this podcast with friends. Please continue to do that. We're trying to spread the word. And, uh, and yeah, we'd really appreciate that. So man, PW, we have an amazing interview today for, for our listeners. So good. <laughs> so good. We got to talk with uh, a new friend to both of us, a gentleman that I met, um, a couple months ago named Luke Walker, and he is the owner of Luke's auto service in Columbus, Ohio. Um, one of my best friends in the whole world, a gentleman named Ian Capwell, uh, works for him, and that's how I met him. And Luke's story is powerful. It's it's honest, and he's so transparent with us. Just an in- incredible, I say young man, because he's in his 30s. The story starts as a one-bay shop that uh, started in 2009, I believe, where they I think they generated 260000 
and 11 years later, he is uh, running a 16 bay shop uh, that did there even during the pandemic did uh, 3.4 or 3.6 million. Crazy. And, uh, but the coolest part of it is is what and what you'll hear him share is what God has really done in his life, and that's that's really what we're excited for you to hear. Yeah, definitely, because he is. Oh my gosh, is he a story of redemption? And, and then, and then living out that, that redemptive influence, like we talk about in, in his shop and his business, Yeah, it really isn't, it's incredible. And uh, all the different layers of impact someone can have, it'd be such a great example of that, obviously with his, with the customers he serves with his employees, um, and, and even out from there, the, the families and the community, um, yeah, really, really inspiring stuff. So it was it was such a powerful interview that um, we're already looking at scheduling him to come back because there's so many things we didn't touch on. Yeah. So if if you wouldn't mind getting out your your pen and paper, or if you're listening, kind of you know as you're as you're traveling, just make sure that you're you know you're able to at some point sit down and and really take a a, a deeper listen to to what he has to say. But uh, yeah, thank you again for for joining us and. And we are excited for you to hear from Luke Walker of Luke's Auto Service. Luke Walker, thank you so much for joining us here on the Blue Collar Money Podcast. Man, we are excited to have you. Thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. So, PW, you you obviously know Luke. Um, and by the way, don't think it went you know went past us the Luke Walker. Uh, I mean, you just you're just missing that one little three letter word to throw you into legendary status, right? No, I know. <laughs> he, yeah, he may reach legendary status in other ways. That's what we're that's what yeah. we're pulling for for his business. That's right. That's right. Well, we are we're definitely Star Wars. Fan. I'm, I've been a Star Wars fan, but either way, so PW, you obviously how do you mind, or maybe Luke, maybe you can share a little bit about how you and PW met. I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, I I recently hired um, a technician at my auto repair shop uh, who is actually the best technician I think I've ever met. And uh, his name's Ian Capwell. And uh, uh, PW and Ian go way back. So he had stopped by the shop to say hi to Ian and... um, and we met and talked for a while and found a lot in common. Oh, that's cool. Very yeah. Cool. So so for background, um, I I was a, a young life leader. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with young life, it's a it's like a high school Christian ministry. And Ian was one of my guys um, that I discipled, and so we're still he's still one of my best friends. Um, he is funny. He's probably is he forty. Yeah, I think so. Got to be pushing 40 years old, but he's always a kid to me. Like he will always be a kid. And <laughs> and friends in my circle who've never met him refer to him as seven footer because he's 6'11 and, and change. And um, <clears throat> so instead of like trying to re- remind people of his name, I'm like seven footer said, and then, you know, then we'll kind of move forward. He, he is, um, he doesn't have a genius IQ, but he's, he's up there. He was terribly underachieving in high school. Like he just didn't care, but he's literally one of the smartest individuals I've ever met. Nice. And, um, yeah, so he, um, 
he's just an incredible person. And, uh, and he was talking about his new boss and just their relationship and that his boss is a follower of Jesus. And I think that's a first for Ian, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, and just so their relationship, um, you know, he was just kind of sharing about their relationship. And I was like, man, I really want to meet this guy. Well, it just worked out that I was in Columbus and, uh, you know, had questions about my vehicle and just wanted an excuse to, to, you know, leave my mom's house and, uh, and go visit with him. And, and Luke's setup is, is impressive. I mean, it's, I remember the circle. Like I can actually remember that from when I was in high school, I think I brought my car there to a different shop. Um, that was so in- wait, real, I'm sorry to interrupt Peter, but real quick. So just, I don't think we've said it yet, but Luke Walker owns, uh, a, a, uh, a shop basically, a, but can you just explain real quick before you get into that what what he uh owns and well i'll i'll let luke describe it because it's okay. i don't know that i could do it justice yeah so i i own a auto repair shop um started 11 years ago and it it started as a one bay shop um and we're we're on like a little industrial loop um and as I've grown, I've basically just kept adding buildings. It's kind of a, a rundown industrial loop. So I, uh, we're, we're now in four buildings. I call it my, my shanty town because <laughs> it's not, it's not a, like, it's not a dealership for sure, but, um, and, yeah, we're, we're operating out of these four buildings that are like within 80 yards of each other. And Luke, how many, how many, um, different auto service places are there in that loop there are probably within 150 yards there's i think there's like eight or nine there's uh so so we do strictly mechanical repair okay there's there's probably four other mechanical repair places and then there's two body shops there's an upholstery shop uh, a restoration shop so it's it's that's wow. kind of funny. Yeah, I remember that loop from from when I was younger because I I didn't know anything about cars, but I loved them. And uh, a friend of mine ended up working for a shop. I don't remember the name of it, and I had to take my I had an old Range Rover. I had to take my Range Rover in because the CB broke. Um, and that was my introduction to that loop, and so I knew it was there. And then when Ian was telling me where he worked, it was interesting to walk up and then to meet you, and then you were pointing out, well, that's us too, that's us too, that's us too, all the different buildings that are kind of set up as Luke's automotive, but you started out of a one bay shop. Why, um, why did you decide to even get into, to wrenching on cars? Um, that would go back. Uh, a, a lot of this kind of ties into like a lot of my, my mission in life. So I'll, I'll give a little bit longer version of yeah. kind of my, my background grew up in a, loving Christian family, um, and, uh, Bible, Bible teaching church, Bible believing family, um, and, uh, started struggling with depression in middle school. And I, I sensed God calling me to come to him with, with the things I was struggling with. And, um, I remember very clearly being mad at God that, you know, I, I felt like he was the one who created me, um, that, that my mental struggles and depression were, 
were his fault basically. And so I remember just being mad at God and turning away from him and, and things got dark pretty fast. Um, schizophrenia actually runs in our family. And so I, I was struggling really, really bad with depression and then even having some psychotic features like hearing voices. And, uh, it was a very, very dark point in my life that uh, I was kind of doing what, grasping for whatever I could to get mm. good feelings, uh, regardless of how that affected other people. I actually ended up having a, a suicide attempt at 17. Mm. I had just given up on life, didn't want to live anymore, had had taken a bunch of pills and a, mm. a big bottle of high proof brandy went under a bridge so no one would be able to find me and save me. And uh, I remember being under that bridge, expecting to die within moments. That was the last thing I remember. Um, I had apparently walked a, a mile back to my, my parents' house after passing out. I don't remember any of this. But I opened the front door, told my dad to call poison control, and then collapsed on the doorstep. So they got me to the hospital, pumped my stomach twice, they, the doctor was saying he still wasn't sure if I was going to live, um, but I pulled through and uh, mm. the, the next the next day in the hospital bed, I remember turning to God in a a more broken state than I had ever been. And, uh, you know, just just realized how how far from him I was, how selfish I was. And I had heard about. Jesus my whole life but um, at that point I, I saw my need for him in a much deeper way and you know ca called out to him and asked for his forgiveness and that was a turning point in my life that uh, life has just gotten better every year since then that was uh, I think 04 05 but uh, another thing I struggled with was sitting through classes in high school so my sophomore year you could uh, visit uh, trade or career centers. And so I, I ended up, uh, going to three different career centers, oddly enough. Uh, well, so one of them was automotive HVAC. And then oddly enough, there was, uh, acting was one of those three. And, uh, I just ended up going with automotive and stuck with it and have loved working with my hands. That's really the way I'm geared is to be learning um, while working with my hands and seeing something in, in practice. So I worked at a shop for five years. I, I, I was doing side jobs and that the side jobs were just coming in like crazy. So at a certain point, um, decided to start my own shop. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was 09. Started in a, a one-bay shop. The rent was $350 a month. And uh, the, the, the space actually used to just be a, a small space in between two existing buildings that they ended up building a front and back wall and putting a ceiling on. Uh, wow. you, could, you could barely fit a car into this, into this shop. And uh, I had a little uh, scissor lift that went like two and a half feet off the, off the floor. So I was rolling around on my back in there for the first wow. year and a half. Wow. Luke, thank you, thank you for your vulnerability and way just your your willingness to share your story, man. Yeah. That that means so much. And 
I think there's, there's plenty of people out there. I mean, I've PW and I, and I are, are all about trying to be as vulnerable and authentic as we can. And, and you just exhibited, I think the heart we hope for in terms of this podcast. Um, so just, yeah, really grateful for that, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I think, um, there's, I mean, who knows how many people are listening, you know, to this or will be listening to this, but, uh, I think that might be the most profound mm. piece of this is that, you know, God is able to, to move you through that and, and get you into something that you really love. And yeah. how much of that do you, how much of your story, um, do you consider when you're looking at the guys that work for you? or the customers that come in? I mean, is your, is that always in the front of your mind? Like kind of how people are doing that day? Yeah. Yeah. That definitely, I mean, that's definitely mm -hmm. when you've gone through times like that, it, uh, that's one of the benefits from suffering is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a compassion for other people who may be going through a similar thing. Yeah. Amen. And so you, you went from, um, and again, I don't, the interim is, is, would be interesting to hear about. You went from a, a one bay shop that did really well. You said in your first full year, you did 260,000 uh -huh. sales, but now you, you have a, how many bays is it now? We have uh, 16 bays in four buildings, 25 employees. And we're, we'll probably hit um, right about 3.6 million. We were shooting for four this year, but the uh, pandemic through wrenching that. <laughs> I mean, I that, don't think you're alone. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, so that was that's in from '09 to two. So that's eleven years. You know, to to hit you know 10x or 11x or whatever it is the the multiple. Yeah. Why did you decide to scale it? Well, it it, it wasn't really intentional for a lot of it. It was just uh, you know I'm in a big church, so when word spread that someone in the in the church was working on cars that that definitely helped help my business initially it was just all right i'm getting backed up i could use some help i probably don't need to be the one doing every single facet of this business i could find find different people who could do different aspects of it and um so just slowly kept adding more employees and then the building next door to me had um four bays the rent was $1,600, which I, I remember just being like, oh my <laughs> gosh, that is so expensive. Like, that'd be so cool with $1,600, man. That's, I, I couldn't think that. And uh, so, yeah, we, a year and a half into it, we moved into that. And then just, yeah, slowly kept just adding as demand increased. There was, there, there were a lot of points that, that I've kind of wondered about, do, do I keep trying to grow? A lot of it, I, I don't know. I think I think that, that I almost had a subconscious perspective of money and making money being evil. And you know, I, I wouldn't have uh, said that out loud, mm. but uh, you know, there's an amount of of guilt when I was, you know, when the business was doing really well and there was a lot of money coming in. I remember feeling guilty about that and. My, my perspective has changed on that a lot over, over the past uh, 10 years. And I, a, a big thing that changed it is um, 
you know, like like the parable of the talents, where the master entrusts his his servants with uh, different amounts of money, and you know, there there's one of them who was given a lot, and that's kind of how I I feel like the position I'm in is I, you know, how many how many people have the opportunity that I have that's been put in front of me, like the the abilities that God gave me, those aren't those aren't for me. He gave those to me. The, uh, the, the people in my life who are willing to spend time with me and mentor me, that's not because of me. He, he put that in my life. So he's given me all these things and, um, I need to figure out how I can maximize what he's given me for the greatest good. My family was actually going to be missionaries in Cambodia when I was in middle school. And we've, we've always, my, my, I, I kind of grew up, I think we probably had like 40 different people stay in our house. Wow. People from, you know, um, exchange students or, you know, people that need a place to stay. And so I, I was kind of raised with a, a perspective of trying to help help those who need help or have our, you know, vulnerability. And that's that's always stuck with me. I remember seeing the poverty in Cambodia and just having a huge burden to help them and just how it's how that's just like we absolutely have to do what we can. And so how, how, do, how do I help? Well, having, having a business doing 4 million and having a bunch of employees helping generate this revenue is, is an excellent way to help. Um, you know, we're, my wife and I are giving way more than I ever thought we would be able to give. And um, so, yeah, that's, Sorry, that was kind of a long, long story. I normally don't talk <laughs> this much, but no, uh, that's, that's that's kind of the burden behind a lot it's of it. So good, like you use the phrase "the greatest good." So, in the next few years, what does the greatest good look like for you guys? What's your What's your investment? You know, in back into the business, into kind of the kingdom. What's that look like? I think it is finding other men of of strong character to help grow things um continue to grow things um hmm. so that's something i'm kind of constantly on the lookout for that's something that has been a big part of my connection with ian he's a man of character he's he's a walking believer and uh, amazing at what he does and hmm. so i, I really want to find other other guys like him and help expand what we have to be able to help help others i mean i feel like that's that's a, kind of the, the biggest motivation behind it for me and then I've, I've also recently started a um a mechanic training program that's been about 50 percent of my time has been spent on that here the past couple months and i've been working on it about a year um so basically trying to find other students who who were in similar shoes as me when i was young who are are gifted with their hands can't stand sitting through classes um and need someone to help help them identify the way they're geared and help them cultivate that i love that that you start with men of character like like you you like that <laughs> i just i love that 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 answer to his question i, I forget how you asked it now pw but basically what's the greater good? And he started with finding men of character who are 
obviously talented and and hopefully hopefully believers it sounds like you're you're someone who would uh would exemplify that kind of mantra of of surrounding yourself with people maybe more talented than you or Uh in some ways better than you right i hear you kind of say that through that but but i love that your first your first uh, answer to that question of PW's question had to do with, with people specifically. Um, not, you know, the next big real estate find, you know, or, or the next tool or not that those things aren't valuable. They're, 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 they are, there's, yeah, uh, that that's important, but I, I love your heart in, in wanting to find men of character. I just think that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, the other things, are easy to find com- comparatively mm-hmm. finding men of character who, um, who also have, uh, at least the, uh, the capability in, in the areas that you need help in is, yeah. I mean, for me, that's, that's the most, that's the most difficult and has the biggest impact. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that you had said earlier, the, the scripture that really had resonated with you is the parable of the talents. Um, I think we, um, I think what's the other name for it? The parable of the bags of gold. Is that right, mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Just the idea that the, you know, the, the master comes in and, and, and a lot's different things for the, the, his three servants to steward and, and one, and this is the one that Mike and I joke about the most, you know, that I feel like I may fall into this category at times is, you know, I, because of my fear, I hold on to things, I bury them. I don't invest them. And, but it says the, what it says the most is not about me. It says what I think about God and, and, you know, in that, and in the parable, the, the serpent looks at God and says, I know that you are a hard master reaping where you have not sown basically just calls him a cheater. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, we don't need to go into the end of that story because it's, it's not good for that third, third steward. <laughs> right. Um, but like when I look at your story and what you shared here on the podcast and what I've read, you know, you've invested in your family, you've invested in this trade school, your employees, your business and into missions. One of the things that's very encouraging is like on paper, you know, I've, we've heard people say these exact same things. What's interesting and what resonates with us is that you consistently have talked about people the people that have invested in you, the people who have had effect on you, like God's character in who he has brought to you and who you, who like, and again, like Mike said this earlier, is just, you know, the greatest good to you is God bringing you the right people to then grow the investment. What, um, because we're dealing with a financial podcast, have you considered, you know, because one of the things that we've asked of our listeners is to really look at investing in blue collar businesses folks that work with their hands that provide a real tangible value is the automotive industry set up for that. Is it, is it something where an investor could come to, to Luke's automotive and say, Hey, Luke, I've got a, I've got a half million or a quarter million dollars and we'd love to help you expand. Is that something that a, an owner would even consider? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do think so. I, I was raised in a very cheap family. So I, <laughs> I was very good at, at, being conservative and putting money away. So I, I personally haven't needed that. I mean, it's, it's something I've actually other friends who have are involved in the trades. I've many times told them like, dude, 
you got to you got to do this on your own. And it's like, you know, just from from, you know, get, getting an estimate on getting our HVAC replaced in our house mm. and knowing what this guy can do it for. It's just like, dude, you got to do this. I, I think it would definitely there's definitely a lot of guys who could use an extra an extra boost, some extra reserves to be able to get off their feet. Um, and especially, I mean, I think it's it's especially valuable if if you can bring an aspect to the business that can help them, not not just money. What would that look like? What are your major pain points right now, like for your business as it stands? Like the gaps that you guys are facing? Currently for us. I mean, I think during this pandemic, there's there's been advertising has been a concern because we've we've grown so rapidly, and I and to the point where I've kind of like tried to get ahead of the growth and make sure we've got enough people here, yeah. and then all of a sudden the business dropping off, I've had to really readjust and try to figure out how to how to advertise and market better. Um, finding finding employees is always one of the biggest ones. I mean, yeah, all those sorts of things, but, but I think for a, a young, for when I was getting started and I think for most people getting started, I mean, it's, it's going to be absolutely, absolutely every aspect of it because, you know, most, most business owners start as, as the mechanic or as, you know, the, the plumber yeah. as the accountant whatever it is like you start in whatever position you know well and then you you go to try to make a business out of that but but knowing how to do it and knowing how to run a business are two very very different things and so i i i mean i i think we're completely in the dark starting out and so i think i think a lot of people can have a lot to offer and um, input and in marketing, advertising, customer service, um, finding other other good people uh, to hire, whatever it may be. It's interesting because when you know I, I've said this before, one of my favorite shows is the Shark Tank. <laughs> I watch, oh, yeah, I love that. Right, too. love that show, and so <laughs> you watch it. But what always happens, and this actually surprised me as I started watching it, was how the money isn't, isn't the only thing it's, it's, they offer the money, but they also offer expertise in something to add to the business. And, uh, I don't think often that I've, you know, that I've thought about that as, as you know, what an investor's role would be in, in a business. So bring the money, but also some kind of expertise that will help take the business to the next or, level. Or knowing the people who have the expertise. I mean, that, that could be yeah, huge. the connection piece. Is, connection. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So obviously, like we're kind of looking through the lens of the pandemic and nobody really knows like when things are going to settle down or I don't know that going back to normal, I don't know what that looks like. Um, but but in general, do you see the the trade industries growing over the next three to five years? Oh, yeah. Yep. I think it's it's one of the few guarantees Yeah. as far as careers go. You cannot outsource having your car worked on, you cannot outsource your plumbing, your, the electricity in your house, uh, construction. We were set in the trades. Yeah. We have guaranteed jobs for, I mean, the infinite future, pretty much. You're, you're never going to ship your house out to get worked on 
Whereas <laughs> all of like literally almost all of the other careers out there can be outsourced. And, and you've, you've seen that more and more is just more and more jobs are getting outsourced that it, it kills me. But I mean, we're still funneling, um, all of, all of the students in our society are getting funneled into college. And so many of them are, are going a hundred thousand dollars into debt with a degree that, that they're not going to use, um, in fields that they can't get a job in. Amen. Oh my gosh. Is that such yeah, a we, frustration? That, that's its own podcast. I think we could all like just go off <laughs> yeah. on that for, for a while. Right. Right. So to get down to specifics is um, when, when you are looking at an employee coming in, what are the, how many different levels of guys, guys or girls are you bringing in to, to work as techs or mechanics or. You basically have to have the master technician who can, figure anything out and so like that's ian ian can i mean there's absolutely nothing you could bring in that he couldn't figure out and and that's become more and more rare and and i think it's probably the case across all the trades Mm -hmm. um because it's been three decades or so that we've been steering everyone away from the trades and so all all of these guys are are retiring and no one's been replacing them for 30 years um so yeah, yeah, you have to have the the master, and um, I mean that's that's the key. If you have that, then you can you can find guys who have character, willingness, uh, potential that he can then train. Hmm. Um, which this was a hard thing for me starting my business is you know I had five years as a technician before I started. I was not a master. I mean, I had a knack for working with my hands, but yeah. there's a lot that I did not know. And, you know, it, it, it took me a long time before I even hired that master because I was so cheap. If, if I had to go back and do it again, like I, 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 I would have done whatever I could to bring someone of super high talent um, on earlier to be able to cross train the other guys and to be able to, you know, keep up on quality and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the ways to characterize a, a good business, if an investor is looking at a business, they have to have somebody use the, the term to cross train. You have to have somebody in the business who is a master, but a practitioner, uh, but also a coach. Yeah, like they have to be able to teach. If people can under, can't understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. I've I've met some master techs in different industries that I wouldn't want to learn from. Yep. So when you were talking about men of good character or men, you know, men or women who um, who just have a willingness to teach, there's something about them being willing to say, hey, I, it would take me half the time to do this. But because I'm going to show you this, it'll double my time. I'm willing to do that. How do you battle that in your hmm. in your um, in your shop? Because you're actually your master tech is not just diagnose or maybe they is. But if you're if your master tech is also training there's a, there's a financial burden to that conversation as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think with, with training, it's always, you know, people are like, well, you're going to make this investment in training, but then what if they leave? But uh, Mm. I don't know if you've heard that saying, well, Mm. what's the cost if Mm. they stay and you haven't trained them? Yeah. And I I think that's, that's it right there. Um, You know, as, as you, as you train you and um and as you invest 
in in those who don't have the experience yet, it ends up uh, multiplying your effort over time. So you know, a couple years of of the master tech spending with a younger guy, you're right, his efficiency is going to go down. In two years, you now have uh, you know almost double the horsepower. And then if if they can both train other guys, then you have quadruple the horsepower, and you know it has a com- it can have a, a compounding effect to where if you would have just said no, I just want to get as much work done out of my one guy as I can, you'd you'd been stuck doing one eighth of uh, what you could have been doing. So you you had um, alluded to the fact that you've got to keep your master tech like they're hard to come by. Oh yeah. You know, so you want to keep them around. So to, to, to broaden that question a little bit, how, how do you value your, um, you said you have 25 employees, like, how do you value them? How do you keep them around and and wanting to like work for you and, and produce value? I think, well, I think that may be one of my strengths and maybe one of the parts of my success has been, I genuinely care about my employees and I value my connection with them. And uh, I want this to be the best place that that they can work. That, you know, if they go out and look for other jobs, they're not going to find anything better than this. I've I've really pushed to do everything I can. I mean, adding, adding benefits, like there's so many like massive expenses that I've added and felt wary of. But as you get an all-star team, cranking through work it's it's it more than pays for itself not only financially but also with um also with mental capacity i mean at this point every all the guys kind of joke with me i go out in the shop and try to work on a car now like one of the last times I did that with one tech. I ended up breaking something. <laughs> it was like, Luke, just go back to the office, man. And then I try to I try to go out to the front counter and uh, and try to work with customers. And all the all the service advisors are like, don't let uh, Luke Tommy boy your your repair order. Have you guys seen that? The the oh the, yeah, the Tommy boy where. Where Sparley's in there trying to trying to sell uh, brake pads, and he's like, end up catching the, the desk on fire, and he's like acting like a five year old. It's like, yeah. So my my guys tell me, don't let Luke Tommy boy. Uh, <laughs> All right. So that says something, by the way, right there, real quick, just to 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 stop for a moment. Like the fact that your employees can joke with you about that, and 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 you're laughing about it and you're humble enough to know that like there are weaknesses there for you. That to me speaks to the culture of, of the staff there. That's huge. Cause some, cause there are some, you know, bosses or owners of businesses who uh, they, they lord it over, you know, their, their employees and it's, it's fear driven. Yeah. And uh, so that, that tells me a lot about, it makes me want to want to work at your shop. Is <laughs> what it makes me want to do. So, it, so we have four company values, and we and we've really made a huge deal of this um, in the past year and a half. Uh, we, I, I tell people before I interview them, and while interviewing them, that if you don't have these, 
core values, uh, then you're not going to make it. And you can you can get. We really want you to have straight A's. You can have a couple B's. Um, you could have three A's and a C, but any anything worse than that, and you're not going to last here. And we hire based on these four, and we we fire based on these four. Mm. Um, so it's uh, hustle is one of them. You know, that's that's one thing. It's a lot easier to pay people a lot of money if you hire people who work hard. Mm-hmm. So um, try to find people who like to work hard. Um, next one is um, having a humble servant heart. And so that kind of ties into what you were saying. And how, you know, how, how can I ask my guys to do that if I'm not doing that? So I, mm-hmm. I try as best I can to, to lead in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, having a passion for excellence uh, is another one and training and becoming great at what we do. And, uh, and then having a, um, a positive can do attitude. I've had, I've had guys who had uh, straight A's in the three, but then when it came to having a positive can do attitude, they got an F and boy, I, w- I wish, I wish I would have let those guys go earlier. Cause they, they poison, poison the whole environment. Yeah, I love. Well, number one, I love that that you spent time kind of considering what values God would want you to project for your business and then making sure that everyone's on the same page and that people have they have the opportunity to say yes or no to it. Yep. Right. I mean, they don't have to work for you, but if they do work for you, like this is what this is what work is going to look like. Um, And again, like I was only at the shop for maybe 30 minutes. Granted, I came on a Friday and everybody was housing pizza. There was yeah, I, I mean, buy lunch for the shop every Friday. So. Every Friday. I mean, like there was a room. I don't know how many pizzas were in there, but there was a ton of big dudes in there just leveling the stuff. And they looked <laughs> blue happy. Collar, blue collar guys can take down some food. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It was an awesome sight. That's great. Wish I didn't have food allergies. I would have, I would have jumped in. And again, we didn't t- talk about the trade schools much, but you know, in my understanding, like this is, this is the the kind of the training ground for, you know, to 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 filter out folks that may have an aptitude, may have the passion to kind of work with their hands, and then to to end up working for you. And I know that's that's a part of you investing in people. And we we talked about earlier in our conversation, um, like prior to our starting, you know, the to hit the record button. This idea that God gives us values that we want to reflect um, of His character. You know, you've outlined those, you know, with us today, and those act, those values cause us to act in a certain way, to build, to to become a certain type of person. At the end of your life, there's a second story that's that's that talked about, and it's the story that's told of you. So there's the story we tell, and the story that's told of us. Um, I don't know that you've thought about this very much, or maybe you have, but what what is the story that you and your and your wife want told of you? I ha- I have thought about this. I'm I'm a depressive melancholy, so I tend to think <laughs> about these things. Uh, I'm with you. I I think about John 15, where um, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. He says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." And he says, uh, "If you abide in me, and I in you." Um, and if my word abides in you, then you will bear much fruit. 
And that's, I, I want to be fruitful. I, I want to have a fruitful life. He also, he also says, uh, I think later in that passage, oh, I forget the exact wording, but it's, uh, it's about, it's about loving others. Um, that, that that's, uh, what he wants us to do is, is love others. So I think that's, I think that's part of the fruit, but I mean, to, to me, so, so he says, uh, abide in me and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit, uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I think, I think having a, a very close connection with Jesus is, is one of the things I would like to be able to have said about me because I, I, I know that if, if I do have that, then the fruit's going to be there. I don't, I don't have to worry about the fruit. I just have to worry about staying close to him. And there's a big relief there because, you know, we, we're incapable of producing fruit just as much as, you know, a, a, a severed branch is not going to produce fruit. And that, that's something and that's something that I've, you know, my depressive guilt is, you know, that's kind of all intertwined in me. And, you know, I've, I, I feel guilty a lot and I feel like, am I doing enough? I, I, I get down on myself a lot, feeling like I'm not doing enough. And I think God's corrected me on that a lot. And there's, there's a book I really like, um, for, I'm blanking on the title. He says, he says though, that, uh, the first step in accomplishing a lot in your life for God is realizing that you don't have to accomplish anything. Our significance, our value is completely dependent on what he already did for us. Um, and so that just, that just takes the pressure off is like this, the starting point is as good as it could possible could possibly be. It can't get any better. He always he already views us as in Christ. He hmm. he he already can't be any happier with us. Hmm. Wow. And so wow. then then what what we do is out of a sense of of freedom, um, and of like oh man, like God's I can't I can't believe how much God's blessed me. I just want to give that other hmm. give that out to other people. So that's kind of a long, long way of saying that, but oh, man, that's great. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. That's what you just described too. I've uh, I'm a recovering pornography addict and, uh, and what you just described is what has contributed to the freedom that I've enjoyed from that sin is, is understanding my own identity in Christ and being able to rest in that. And then just, just real quick, you're, you're, um, John 15, you talk about that passage too, makes me think of Psalm 1. I mean, you talk about the fruit, right? The first Psalm, uh, you know, it says, uh, uh, let me see here, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of uh, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he, yeah, whatever they do prospers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so our responsibility is, is to, is to plant ourselves in God's word, like you said, and, and to, and, and his, and our identity in him. 
and, uh, and allow him to, uh, to provide the sustenance we need to, to grow the fruit. And so, yeah, the fruit is a byproduct of our uh, relationship with God, basically. And you're right. That takes the pressure off, man. You're, mm. That's exactly right. This is the kind of stuff our listeners need to hear. I think more entrepreneurs, small business owners um, really need to hear this. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of a one entrepreneur that doesn't, you know, try and squeeze their value out of what they've done. And yes. it's incredible, credible reminder. Um, I'm just really grateful that you're willing to, to sit with us and, and kind of help us unpack some of those lessons, because I think God wants that for, for all of us. Um, what's the best way that people can, uh, find you, uh, on social media, support what you guys are doing? Yeah. Um, they can email me at luke at lukesautoservice.com. If you, if you look me up, Luke Walker on Facebook from Columbus, Ohio, okay. um, I have, uh, the other, um, businesses other than my shop on my profile. Um, one of them's higher level auto, which is a used car sales lot. That's nonprofit that is in the same building as the trade center so that the students can intern with, with technicians. Um, oh, that's fantastic. And then, um, <laughs> I've, I haven't named the trade center yet. So it's just on Facebook as the trade center. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's great. That's but perfect. yeah, if, uh, if you, if you go to my Facebook page, um, then, uh, both, both of those pages are linked to my Facebook page. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll put, we'll put all that, um, information. We'll look it up and we'll put it all in the show notes, but, um, Luke Walker, thank you for spending time with us, for giving us insight and wisdom, um, into, um, what God has been doing in your life and through the shop. Um, Ian is, he is like, uh, a son to me and he loves working for you. And so that means the most to me. If, if you ever need anything from us, please let us know if we can do any kind of advertising or promotion for your business, please let us know. But thank you again for spending time with us today. It's just been such a joy. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you guys too. Friends, thank you for listening in. You have been listening to blue collar money with PW Gopal and Mike Hatch. If you would like to reach out to P.W. directly, you can reach him through his website at pwgopal.com or you can reach out to Mike Hatch at empoweredmanhood.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming contents. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to connecting with you soon.